Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. We finally made it. The final episode of 2022 of The Chris Johnston Show. Uh, there's a lot I want to get to. I want to make this a, a year in review show where we look back on some of the best things, some of the most notable things of 2022. We are going to play the movie game. Uh, so thank you to everyone on Discord who submitted movie titles for us to play. Uh, but before we do that, what are you looking forward to the most, whether it's like a particular goal or or some event or something to do with your work for 2023? I don't know about you, but I feel optimistic i feel pretty good about next year i can't explain it but i just have this good feeling about next year i'm curious about how you feel about it well you don't have to explain it man i i would hope that every year you start with some optimism i mean for me there's this is always such a renewing time i I think that every year should start with optimism we know the reality of course everyone's going to have their ups and downs in any given 365 day window um but you know, this is a time to turn the page and and have some hope. You know, I I think we talked about this last year at New Year's. You know, I usually like to do some goals. I haven't gotten around to it yet, so I don't have anything tangible to share with you. Um, but I, I would say in general, I think that, that great things are ahead. Um, personally, professionally, you know, it, it feels to me like the NHL is in a great position. I'm sure we can touch on that a little bit as we break into the year that was and look look forward a little bit, Julian. But um yeah, I think this is this is a good time to to just sort of pause and reflect and set your mind straight and uh, you know keep plowing forward. Yeah, I have a list of of goals. I'm not going to share. I don't know if I could share all of the. I have a lot of personal stuff, I guess. But like, I, I do also like the idea of just like renewing and and having things be fresh for for a new year. And and while you're saying it, you're right. I don't need to explain why I feel positive about the new year coming. It's just. I guess the last few years, I kept looking at the changing of a new year with some sort of question. Like, I don't like I have no idea what to expect or like, oh, I don't know. And it maybe wasn't necessarily the most positive way of thinking. But for whatever reason this year, just I don't know if it has to do with the current environment that I'm in or the job that I'm in or how I'm feeling. I just feel very like, all right, bring it on. Like, let's let's do it. What else am I going to see? What else am I going to? take on maybe it does have something to do with the job considering that like everything is so new well last year i'm guessing when the calendar switched to january 2022 you would never have guessed you'd be sitting in calgary you know covering the flames i'm sure a lot of other things have gone on in your life but that's a big change right and, and you've you've done a really good job with it and so you should feel a little more confidence that you can you can handle the things that will come i mean we can do hard things i think that that's something i try to remind myself of uh, when you go through difficult periods, struggling in any way, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, we, we can all push through and, and find our way to the other side. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm glad to hear you're optimistic, man. It's funny when you get a little older and and I know I'm, I'm just ticking off the bingo card of our show by even going there is, is like, for me, the years become a little bit less about like accomplishing tangible things. I mean, it's not to say I don't have goals. Um, but you know, for me, it's a lot more appreciating, um, the moment and, and really trying not to rush through everything. You know, I think that 
it's it's natural when you're younger you, you really want to get somewhere and and um you know it, it passes fast and so I, I think for me a lot of it is just trying to find the gratitude in each day i'm still doing you know my run every day part of that is the physical aspect but part of that is just like stopping to reflect and and doing something good for my health each day um and so you're probably trying to speed things up and you got you want to cover this event and do this thing and you know buy this thing make this money whatever it might be you know but you get to my stage and i'm just trying to really smell the roses and enjoy it because I, I realize you know i'm really lucky to be in the position i'm in is this the most wholesome start to our podcast we've ever had <laughs> it could be i mean i we're either serious with news of the day or usually kind of goofy from you know now and again where we just opened this one just just cut a vein open and started speaking from the heart today yeah i think that's what it feels like um well i will try my absolute best to get us back on track though uh, we will get to sports interaction for the last time this year uh but just to give a little taste for what i'm thinking for the year in review portion of the show i'm thinking we look back i mean i'm gonna mention some categories and you to your best of your ability just give me your picks for them so like i thought about if we talked about what we felt was like the play of the year or the story of the year and and, and maybe even the cj show episode of the year uh a prediction for 2023 something you'd like to see in 2023 and since normally the last episode of the week that we do uh we normally do a stick tap how about a stick tap for the year like who deserves the biggest stick tap of all for 2022 what about what about those characters? What about those categories? What do you think? I, I like them. It's really hard for me, honestly, to like it's hard to see the whole year, right? We're so you like get engrossed in in the moment. It's hard to think back, but I think it's a good exercise. And uh I'll give you my best for each of those ones. All right. So let's get to sports interaction first, and then we will get to the year in review on the CJ show. All right, Siege, it's time to look back at the year 2022. Uh, five different categories, five different options for us to look back at the year that it was. I can't wait to hear what uh, your picks are for each of these. Uh, and I'll try my best to to come up with some stuff, too. And maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it will differ a little bit. But uh, this could be a very fun exercise. Yeah, well, I mean, it already has been since you suggested the group chat. I've had to really start wrapping my brain. It's so weird, right? Because the calendar year doesn't overlap with the hockey season. And mm -hmm. so it's it's sort of hard to draw a line midway through one to midway through the next. But uh, I think we're going to give it our best shot here. Last year when we did this, I think we did it as an award show. The seat or the Johnstons or the CJs. I just I figured it was for the best. We scrapped that idea. Well, we, we got to try new things, right? I mean, we don't want to get too stale. No, I don't think we need to get too stale. And maybe it'll resurface in some other way. But I think we're good with the year in review show. Let's start with uh, play of the year. It could be a really sick goal. It could be a really sick assist. It could be any play you deem to be the play of the year. CJ, your play of the year is. So here's the deal. I'm going to show my work on this one because. Sure. You know, it's hard to remember every goal, right? So I was back looking through Connor McDavid highlights. I was looking through Connor Bedard highlights. The the Travis Zegris moments come to mind as as potential mm -hmm. plays of the year. And so, you know, I there's there's obviously lots of things that that tick those boxes. Um, but you know, then I thought about it as like this should be a play that I remember, like uh, that it's it, it's so dazzling or important that I'm like, whoa. 
And I actually centered on two, uh, both from the same team, both during the same playoff drive. And I don't, I don't know who to give the number one spot to. So I'll just mention both. One is a goal by Nathan McKinnon in the playoffs yes. against St. Louis, where he goes end to end in a wild game. It completed a hat trick and just was, I just remember watching that and just, it was like, wow. Like it was a, it was a legit wow moment uh, for me. And because it was in the playoffs, because it was part of a run that, that ultimately produced the cup. Yeah. You know, I thought that something like that could be worthy of it. The other one that jumped to mind actually was Nazem Kadri's overtime goal in Tampa when he came back with like a busted hand and was, I don't even know how he played, could barely take face-offs and somehow gets in alone and scores in overtime. And I just thought what a moment it was. I don't know if it was maybe the best individual play, but it was certainly maybe one of my favorite hockey moments, if not the favorite hockey moment of, of the year. But you know, I think I'm going to give my play of the year to Nathan McKinnon. Um, you know, this is, this is a highly subjective category. Uh, but you know, that, that goal he scored against St. Louis is unbelievable. And if you haven't seen it, or if you've, your memory has lapsed on it, I would highly suggest you give it a YouTube right now. That goal should have stood as the series clinching goal. And I'm still mad that it isn't because that <laughs> goal literally got me out of my seat. It's one of the most incredible moments in that Stanley cup postseason, which was pretty incredible to follow that Colorado avalanche run. I don't know if uh, for people who don't remember, uh, the Blues came back after that goal and won it in overtime. I believe Tyler Bozak was the OT hero. And then we had to wait, I think, until the next game for Darren Helm to win it for the Colorado Avalanche. But I also love the Nassim Kadri mention because of what he was going through throughout that postseason. And for him to come back and score that OT winner, that is very like that was the postseason of Nas for all we're concerned, even though he didn't win the Conn Smythe. Like that was that was the culmination of everything he had endured in the last little while. And then for him to score that goal on a busted hand like that, that was really cool. That yeah, like, was really cool. I love playoff moments. You know, I, I've been so lucky to cover so many playoff games and eventually a lot of the details blend together, but it's the moments that stick out, right? Like I think of Steven Stamkos on his fifth shift in the bubble scoring against Dallas in the Stanley cup final, you know, like that's, that's a great moment. Like that, that year, if we were doing plays of the year, that, that would probably be my play of the year. Like, I, I think that those, the, the goals that sort of mix the drama of the moment, the, the individual skill required and, and just something that, that kind of implants in my, my brain, that's, that's kind of how I define this one. And so that's why I'm giving it to McKinnon, even though it ultimately isn't a, a, a loss. It was just part of a tremendous postseason for him too. Then I will give it to Kadri uh, for his goal in the cup final, but I will give an honorable mention uh, to Trevor Zegras doing the lacrosse style goal against the Montreal Canadiens uh, in early January. Uh, and the funny thing is, is that before that goal happened, Jake Evans for the Canadians had scored a pretty nice, I think it was a give and go. And as that goal happened, like as the we're in the afterglow of that, you could see everyone in the press box just like looking down on their laptops or phones to tweet about how nice the goal was. And literally, like instantaneously, Trevor Zegers is going down the ice and doing the lacrosse style goal. So nearly almost everyone who was in that building almost missed that goal because we were so enamored by another play that happened. But people don't, I don't think people re recognize that. We just see the highlight now, but like we almost missed the Trevor Zegers goal because a pretty sweet goal had happened just before it, but we're always going to remember Trevor Zegers looping around the net and then scoring on Sam Montambo. Like that was, that was pretty sweet. That was, that was a couple of weeks after the dish again, obviously, but that was, 
that's that's deserving of an honorable mention as far as I'm concerned. Well, you've identified why I don't tweet too much during games these days. I think it's because <laughs> it's so easy to, to a get engrossed in a conversation or what people are saying, but it's easy to miss things too if you if you're tweeting. And and that's not when you're a fan at home. I get it because you're on your couch and you're not worried about writing a story or anything else. But when you're covering the game, don't tweet too often. Advice from one Chris Johnston. Okay, let's get to story of the year. I feel like there's one answer for this, but I'd like to know. Uh, if we differ, I don't think we will, but I'd like to know your pick for story of the year. Well, why don't you start then? Well, I mean, I don't think it gets any bigger than the Hockey Canada investigation. I think with while it is an ongoing story, I can understand we still need to uh, we still don't necessarily know uh, the ending of that story. But I think the fact that the hockey world has been it's weird to say captured, but the fact that so much attention has been put on it and people don't want that story to go away. And I feel we've done a decent job at ensuring that that story doesn't go away whenever we have the opportunity to talk about it on the CJ show. Um, yeah, I, I think at a different time, maybe people sweep this under the rug or we don't talk about it. But I think the fact that uh, it's an unfortunate story, it's something that has really ripped open uh, the underbelly that is Hockey Canada, and we look at that federation in a completely different light. It has affected how so many people watch the World Juniors. Uh, It has affected how people just view the federation as a whole and the people who are a part of it, people watching parliamentary hearings as well. There are so many aspects of this story that, for me, make it the story of the year. And I get it's not necessarily like a positive one but i i i can't help but think that this should be worthy of that category even if it is still ongoing and maybe depending on how things go into 2023 and what is revealed it could still be the story of that year with what we end up knowing but i i think for 2022 it's definitely the biggest hockey story to discuss yeah, it's definitely the newsiest in Canadian sports too, because it's it's actually gone into other sporting federations. You know that this um, still is ongoing in, in that sense too. That that you know a lot of other uh, sporting organizations have come under scrutiny because of it. I think because of the stature Hockey Canada holds in the hockey world, but also in the country, when you have the senior leadership um, shipped out, an entirely new board installed, and to have it play out over several months and quite publicly. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's hard to it's hard to contest your your characterization of it um, being the, the the newsiest thing to happen this year. Um, it's too bad you're not. I mean, maybe it's a little bit if it bleeds, it leads of us that we're not identifying more positive stories. But I mean that you, you can't really get around the fact that that's probably the biggest single development um, that that I can think of happening in in the, in the calendar year. Yeah. Okay, so we're both in agreement for story of the year here. Yeah, I mean, how, how can I push back against that? I mean, I think that there's there are nice stories too, right? Things even for me, and I'm not I'm certainly not saying this rivals what happened at Hockey Canada, but just that scoring has returned to the NHL in a meaningful way. Like I, I think it's maybe not story of the year, but it might be like under discussed, underappreciated story of the year. Maybe like that this trend has come back. I think we we see the manifestation of it when we might celebrate certain players, but um, I wouldn't have had this pegged, you know, it was just, it was years and years and years of sort of, <laughs> if you have a, a chart, 
it was going the wrong way goals per game in the NHL and, and defensive play goaltenders and, and the fact that spiked back up again, maybe not true story of the year, but I, I think it's like a trend of the year. Maybe, uh, maybe that might be the best way to, to term it. And, and I think it comes with all sorts of great things for the NHL. And I, I don't see it reversing course too quickly either, because you just see the individual skill, even watching this world junior tournament, even watching Connor Bedard, uh, you know, that there's more great players coming and, and, you know, I think it's it's a great spot for the league to be in, um, you know, having having that be the way the game's played now. Got to say, before we get to that next topic, the fact that the goal te- the state of goaltending is where it is and the fact that Connor Bedard is about to enter the league could be a perfect storm considering his offensive abilities. Like, am I tripping on that? Like, I, I feel as if we could see someone take this league by storm in a way we haven't seen since like McDavid coming in or Crosby coming in like that could be, we could be in for a, they could benefit a guy like Connor Bedard coming in. Yeah. Because he has an NHL release on his shot. So even though he's going to have other areas of his game to grow into, you know, starting with his body, just physically, I'm sure he's going to, you know, go through growth as any player does from 17, 18 to 20, 21, 25. Um, You know, he's got a shot that I'd, I mean, that's what I'm saying. He could play in the league right now, I think, and he could score goals. I'm not saying he's going to lead the league in scoring as a rookie or anything like that, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, Austin Matthews had 40 as a rookie. I've seen a lot of people compare Connor Bedard's shot to Austin Matthews, just the way he he can drag and release the puck and disguise the the, the point. It's it's coming off on the goaltenders. We saw him totally freeze the Austrian goaltender uh, with with one of the goals he scored, you know, against him. And so, uh, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm with you. I wouldn't like. I think the sky's the limit for that player, but even maybe as soon as his 18 year old season, I mean, he only turns 18 in July. So he's going to be a, he's going to be young entering the league. Even it's not just that he's a rookie, just um, being born in, in the second half of the year. Um, but look what he's already done. He could go in the, he could be in the next two world junior tournaments, like from an eligibility standpoint, like that's, that's nuts. We know he won't be at either of them uh, because he's going to be playing in the NHL by that point in time. But uh, you know, he's, he's not, yeah, I'm I'm gushing a little bit, but it's hard not to be impressed by him when you watch what he's done these last few games of the World Junior Tournament. You could technically say he's a, an honorable mention for the story of the year. So for the story of the year category, uh, the Mitchell Miller Boston Bruins debacle as well could be one. The Vancouver Canucks, you could just put Vancouver Canucks as honorable mention because they just have too many different things going on at once. And it just kind of all comes together for uh, an honorable mention, essentially. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely a ton of different ways we could have gone with that category. Uh, but Hockey Canada, story of the year for us. How about the episode of the year? Uh, your favorite episode that took place in 2022. My pick is the very first time we were introduced to Sunglasses CJ. Oh, yeah. Was that the day after the trade deadline? I was. Um, I want to say it's definitely around that time. It was uh, with the episode I'm thinking of specifically. I think called, that might have been the That's Ridiculous episode, actually. So I think that That's Ridiculous came. Unless I have it wrong, I think that came after that, like right after that one, because like that was like you have to like in the thumbnail, you have the sunglasses and you're clearly like, like trying to be like you were doing like the head bobbing and, and whatever, like. That was like around the trade deadline. We were talking about the fact that Evgeny Dadanov was supposed to be dealt to Anaheim and that got nixed. But there were so many other things that went in. But like that is like 
that it's got a lot of views too. Like that was very much like us going off the rails. Like that for me stands out as like why that's one of the biggest reasons why I love doing the show. Because I'm almost like certain that. that we did that the morning after the trade deadline, and I was just like loopy. That's uh, probably what happened. It's funny because I'm stealing myself for that period right now. Like, and I'm sure you feel it too, but January and February into the trade deadline is just a nutso work time. Like uh, I got a lot of jobs and all the demands at all the jobs go up as that date gets closer. And obviously there's, there's a lot that goes on, you know, trying to keep in track, keeping on top of the stories, everything, you know, being in studio at TSN for like 12 hours in a row on TV. It's just Jesus. like, a it's a crazy time. Like I, like I love it. And it's not a complaint, but it is crazy. And so when you get to the other side of it, I think that's what produced that episode. You know, my favorite might've been, our summer catch-up episode actually mm. um because obviously we get in the rhythm of doing it during the season like we just do this twice a week like it feels so normal and regular and and i'm not going to say that we don't put a lot of thought into it but sometimes we're just we literally just like hit record and get and start going with a loose rundown and and you know make the show but it felt weird to take that break in the summer i don't know if it was six weeks maybe between episodes and and then we did the one catch-up and you know, there's a lot to talk about. It was a busy summer and it was just kind of cool to get back to doing what we do. And a whole bunch of people watched, even though we were talking about hockey in August. So um, that's one that, that stands out in my mind. But honestly, I have fun every time we do this. It's like, you know, one of the highlights of my week every week when, whenever we uh, get in front of the microphone. So, you know, I uh, it's hard to pick just one. It's like your children. You love them all in, in a different way. Uh, so I think that one. Uh, so Flamethrower and Flamethrower. And story of Sandine, those are the titles of the two catch-up ones. And then we did an episode about me moving to Calgary. Uh, right. but those two in particular, like those definitely stand out. And also for the one I picked, uh, yes, it was immediately after the trade deadline had passed. So you were definitely you were definitely on one that day. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we're gonna <laughs> do something similar again. I mean, this year it's different. It's the trade deadlines on Saturday on Friday, rather. Yes. So I don't know if I don't know if we'll be doing an episode that Saturday. I mean, let's not let's just stay where our feet are right now. We'll figure that out as we get closer. But yeah, um, if we but I'm just saying if we happen to do one literally the next day after the trade deadline again, I'm sure my brain is going to be in a thousand pieces. Something you'd like to see in 2023. This will not be what you're expecting, I don't think, but I really want to see tangible progress and something locked in for best on best in 2023. Like when I, you know, having just come through the soccer world cup and, you know, as I'm a self-professed, not the world's biggest soccer fan. Like I watched a ton of those games. Like it was so entertaining. I know it's a little apples to oranges with what we'll get. If there is a hockey world cup, it's not the same stage. Um, but I, I really think that we need this. Like it's getting to the point where it's like almost ridiculous. Right. And, and, you know, we've been over all the reasons why it's happened this way, but if I could have a wish for 2023, you know, I don't have to, I, I think the game's in a good spot. I think the league's in a good spot. I think even a team like the Ottawa center is being for sale. Like that's going to sort of take care of itself. But if there's one wish I could put out there is that I just hope that we see tangible progress towards a tournament of best on best. I, you know, I just think the players want it. I think the fans will lap it up. And you know, I think it's just good, creates good buzz for the sport. I mean, it gives us something to talk about, right? It's six months of, Will this player be on this team and and all that kind of you know discussion? And I, I think that that's healthy for the league too. And and so let's hope that this will be a year where something positive happens in that regard because it feels like every year 
it's like, oh, this could happen. And it's like, oh, push it back a year or two or three or whatever. The coolest thing about watching the FIFA World, the FIFA World Cup, whether it's the men's and I think to a certain extent, the, the women's World Cup gets a bit of this, too. It's fun seeing people who wouldn't normally care about soccer get into the sport and then be all about cheering for whichever country they want to cheer for, especially if the women are involved. People are going to go in for Canada. This is the first time in my lifetime I could say I watched the men's team from Canada at a World Cup, and I try my absolute best to get behind it. If we get a best on best uh, back in our lives, whether it's back at the Olympics or back at the World Cup, what can the hockey world do to try to recreate that sort of magic? It can't obviously be on that same level or or floor as soccer because of how global that game is. But I, I do hope that we, as the hockey world, but also people who are adjacent to it, who are not as into the sport, uh, they find a way to feel as excited about it, too, because I feel that should be the biggest point of having that best on best. Right. But it can't be contrived, right? Like it has to be somewhat organic. I think the way you get there is this probably need three or four elements. One would be knowing it's going to happen every four years or on a, on a regular schedule, um, you know, because that helps. You know, there's a story from one to the next to the next. It, it, it starts building its own kind of narrative and, and momentum that way. Um, so I think that's essential, you know, I, at some point it'd be nice if there was sort of qualifying tournaments and the like mm. that, that lead up to it. I, you know, that might be a little ambitious right out of the gate here and, and let's be truthful. There's not a depth of pool, um, that necessitates that. I mean, really you're talking about having qualifying spots for maybe the ninth and 10th teams or the seventh and eighth teams, depending how big the, the field ends up being. Um, but I think that that could help generate more discussion about it, you know, in the inner, in, in the interim between tournaments. Uh, and then I think you just got to let it happen. I mean, someone's going to win the next one, right? Someone's going to lose it. Someone's going to be disappointed. It's going to be held in someone's country. It might be someone's last time wearing the national team Jersey. Like, like all those stories, I think take care of themselves and build compelling reasons to tune in and, and to watch. I don't think anything in the short term is going to rival the Olympics for men's hockey. I just, I think that that should also be part of, what needs to happen, um, you know, 2026 is the next winter games. And and I would hope that, that the NHL players are there. Um, but I, I think it's just got to happen regularly. And, and you know, we were in a pretty sweet window earlier in my career. Like it was fun to, to cover the lead up to the 2010 Olympics and, and then, you know, into 2014 in Sochi and, and, you know, with that, with Russia hosting a tournament and the pride that they have in the game, uh, obviously Canada and on home ice in Vancouver. I mean, it, I, I just think it, it will it will happen if you build it, they will come, Julian. They've got to build it. And that's that's my wish for 2023 is just that there's some framework put in place where this is going to happen. I know it's there won't be a tournament in that year, that in the next calendar year, but hopefully not too far beyond. My wish for 2023 is for Connor McDavid to score 70 goals. That has not been done since the early 90s. I was not alive, uh, unless I'm wrong, the last time an NHL player scored over 70 goals in an NHL season. Connor McDavid, as we're recording this, has 31 in 36 games. He could be, I mean, we were talking about how last year he was playing his best hockey. He could be, he could, he could double down on that and play his best season this year. And it might be enough for him to sweep everything. And if it means he's going to score 70 goals this year, we could be in for 
one of the best offensive seasons by an individual player in a long time. We talk about Connor Bedard benefiting from how goaltending, the quality of goaltending has gone down. There might not be any bigger beneficiary than one Connor McDavid, the best player in the world at this given moment in time, just getting himself to a completely different level. I know there are people out there who look at Connor McDavid and they look at other playoff players and they say, you know what? I don't really feel to start my playoff team with Connor McDavid. There are five other people uh, who I would rather start my team with. Yes, I'm directing this at someone in particular, John Scott, but Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. And you look a little weird if you leave him off your team because he's playing at the level that he's playing and he has shown that he can do it in the postseason coming off a brilliant postseason run where I was asking you on the show if he could get con Smythe votes. I want to see Connor McDavid reach a completely different level in 2023 to the point where we're looking at him and he's like, wow, like 70 goals. Shoot, let's forget about getting him to 1000 points, 2000 points. When does he get to that? Uh, Connor McDavid's going 70 goals is my wish. Well, he could get 150 points too. I mean, that yep. I don't think that's been done since Gretzky or Lemieux, basically. Um, yeah, we might be watching something really. I mean, we're definitely watching something special. I guess we're gauging how special it is, right? I mean, it, we know it's special and unique and rare, just how great he's been from the moment he entered the league, how prolific he's been. But the, the fact he keeps finding new levels and and um, you know hasn't hasn't evidently hit his ceiling yet. Let's see how far he can take it. All right, so we've done play of the year, story of the year, episode of the year, something you'd like to see in 2023. We normally do stick taps uh, on the last episode of the week, you know, for the week. How about stick tap of the year? So we give it to someone who, you know, maybe they didn't necessarily have to have already had a stick tap, but somebody who you think is deserving of a stick tap for the year. Um, Do you want to start or should I start? I can start. You know, there's so many ways you can go in this one. I, I like that you didn't even introduce the possibility of a cross-check of the year, too, even though we've now added that to the... Yeah, like, I, I mean, we could have done that, but, like, I mean, we still could if you want to, but I'm no. not going to go there. Um, but my stick tap, and and he definitely has uh, got one before, is, is to the Flames assistant general manager, Chris Snow. I know yes. we've talked a fair bit about Chris uh, and, and his battle with ALS and... and his family's willingness to share it. And, and as we close out a year, you know, he's just kind of on my mind seeing, you know, the updates his wife Kelsey provides on Twitter. The fact he's, you know, survived, been put on a ventilator over the holidays, was able to get home, but, but, you know, still very much, um, you know, in a difficult spot. You know, I, I just give my stick tap to him and his family, the Flames organization and and everyone that knows Chris, you know, not, not a whole lot to say different than in the past, but um, he's still very much on my mind. And I, I think it's, worth celebrating that he's found his way through another year because, you know, his, his original diagnosis, um, you know, didn't, didn't have him getting this far. And, uh, you know, I know he's still there battling for his family. I like that stick tap. Uh, Chris Snow is on my mind too. Um, just someone who has meant a lot to the flames organization, uh, has been an instrumental part of the front office there and seeing the updates from his wife, definitely, uh, at least the, positive ones where he's off the ventilator or he's with his family for the holidays. Those were welcome sights to see. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm fully an endorsement of, of Chris snow getting a stick tap for the year. This absolutely. I would like to give mine, uh, to Herb Carnegie and the Carnegie family, uh, Herb Carnegie, uh, going into the hockey hall of fame, uh, this year, 
uh, the first black star in hockey, even though it did not culminate into an NHL career. We have already kind of outlined some of the different uh, racism and challenges that, that Herb has endured when we gave him a stick tap a couple months back. Uh, but to see that um, the hockey world uh, finally acknowledge him as a Hall of Famer, as he deserves to be, and knowing that his family is continuing his legacy with things like the Carnegie Initiative, uh, that is really cool to see. There are moments where sometimes, uh, as a person of color in hockey, I wonder you know, if it will ever get to a point where it will be truly inclusive uh, and truly uh, welcoming for people who don't look white. But knowing that Herb Carnegie and people like him have made their way to make it a much more inclusive space, the sport of hockey, I mean, uh, that gives me hope. That gives a lot of people hope, and it means a lot uh, for people of all hues around the hockey world. So I think for for the Carnegie family to be uh, present at the Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony and and for 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 Herb, even though he's no longer with us, for him to get his moment, I think that was really special and it has a lot of meaning. And I think he is deserving of a stick tap from me. So, yeah, I, I like the stick taps and the direction that we went with both uh, for for stick taps of the year. And that's pretty much going to do it for the year and review portion of our show, CJ. This was uh, this was good. This was a great exercise. It was good. I'm ready to turn the page, though. I got to be honest. I'm I'm ready to to write a new chapter. Yeah, me too. But uh, we can't turn that new chapter until we play the movie game for the last time in 2022. Hey, that's why you were so hushed voice when you said you're ready to turn a chapter because you knew once we got to finishing the stick tap of the year, it's like, all right, I got to get through this. Yeah, this is where James Myrtle can turn off because I know that he always he gets so mad at me not knowing these movies. So. James, thanks for listening. <laughs> Have a great New Year's <laughs> Eve, and uh, I know you won't be listening to this next segment. For those who are not familiar with the movie game, uh, CJ does not have a lot of time to watch movies. Uh, that means he has not seen many movies. Uh, what we do is we name the title of a movie, and CJ has to guess the description of that, of, well, not description, but uh, the synopsis, the plot of that movie. And uh, we try to go along uh, whatever's written on imdb.com. If he's relatively close to what it is, you can give him a point. But the point of this is for him to, you know. I don't think I've ever been close on anything. I don't think you've been close when we did the, when we've done, when we've played this game. So uh, I remember you gave me Shawshank Redemption and just couldn't believe I didn't know what it was. So, (laughs) I mean, I know that. I thought that would have been a gimme. Anyways. All right. let's, Let's get this over with. Thank you to everyone on Discord who submitted different movie titles. Uh, I'll go through a small handful of them here. One from Five Second Pose. Bone Cop, Bad Cop. Did you say Bone Cop? Yeah, Bone Cop. Like, in the French word for good is bon. Bone Cop. I know, that, that can't be a real... That can't be a real movie. Bone Cop, Bad Cop? You don't think that's a real movie? No. What? But if it was a real movie, it would be about two police partners who one can't tell the truth and one can't lie. And they have to navigate the world trying to overcome the 
difficulties that come with that imposition. CJ, I'm going to be really honest with you. When you said two cops, my heart like was about to jump out of its chest because I thought you were going to be so close. And then you said whatever the hell you just said. And I was like, oh, my God. Bone Cop, Bad Cop, uh, probably one of the best Quebec movies ever done. One of the best Canadian movies ever done. Uh, two Canadian detectives, one from Ontario, the other from Quebec, must work together when a murdered victim is found on the Ontario-Quebec border. That is one of the best Canadian-based movies you could watch with uh, Patrick Huard and uh, Colm Fiore. Like, that's actually a, like a really good movie. Okay. I, I can't speak for the... I can't speak for the sequel, uh, but uh, Bone Cop, Bad Cop is objectively like a really good movie. Um, what about from Maddie, The Prestige? The Prestige is about a local bowling champion who is the toast of his small town because he bowls the best games every Tuesday and Thursday night down at the local <laughs> Bowlerama. What the hell was that? <laughs> and this person has to live with the prestige that comes with being the local bowling champion. After a tragic accident, two stage magicians in the 1890s, London, engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other. I was close. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Okay. Um. Do I want to mention a Marvel movie for this one? Why the hell not? Uh, from M.W. Bauer, Black Panther. I really want to know where the hell you're going to go with this one. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of Black Panther. I literally don't know what it's about. Okay, I've got no well, idea. Well, just, just, just give it a good, just give it a go. Give it a go. It's a story about a bank robber that works in the night. And is undetected as he goes about his business wearing a Black Panther suit. <laughs> this is so bad, man. I T'Challa, heir to the hidden but advanced kingdom of Wakanda, must step forward to lead his people into a new future and must confront a challenger from his country's past. Oh my god. <laughs> He's a big robber for the Black <laughs> and he's just working discreetly in the night. No, he's not. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Let's get to the I'll end take, of this. Okay. Two more. Uh, we'll take one from Dallas Stars fan. Uh, Baby Driver. Oh, is that a movie? Baby Driver? Baby Driver is a movie. <laughs> How could, like... <laughs> It's about a chauffeur whose job is to drive a baby around, but he can never go less than 50 kilometers an hour or else his car will explode. And he has to find a way to, to protect this baby and keep driving safely. After being coerced into working for a crime boss, a young getaway driver finds himself taking part in a heist doomed to fail. You were onto something with the chauffeur. I was getting there. You were getting there. You were getting there. It wasn't that far off. It's just the, the baby thing was weird. Um, I'll get to one last one uh, from uh, Robert Malloy. Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, I actually saw that movie. Oh, 
about 102 years ago when it was released. Is it about a couple that hooks up online um, in an online chat because one of them can't sleep in Seattle? Um, the description says a recently widowed man's son calls a radio talk show in an attempt to find his father a partner. Okay. I was not, I just remember it was, it was old. Like it was like from like ICQ days kind of thing. What's ICQ? It was a messaging platform back in the day. Is is that is that how you 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 and you got down? You was writing. You no, was writing to but be, it's like how people stayed in touch. You with was their you friends. was you was hit. You was hitting up future Miss uh, Chris Johnson on ICQ. Is that what you was doing? You was no. writing you up. I wish I remember what year this. Like ICQ was like high school or something, maybe even before for me. But it was like a chat platform. Anyway. Oh man. Well, you know. I still can't believe the Black Panther one. I expected disaster, and you gave me disaster. So thank you so much for doing that. I mean, the beauty or not of this segment is I'm not trying to be bad, but I'm just going to be bad. It's just it would be like asking someone who doesn't know the rules of hockey to like explain what interference is or something, and like someone who's yeah. never seen a hockey game, like like how could you ever? Yeah, I'm not trying to be bad. Is the point? I just don't know anything. That's the dude. It's okay. Uh, but I'm glad we were able to do the movie game at least one last time because it does bring it objectively does bring joy to a lot of people. And it's not just for the sake of making you look dumb. Well, I, I never mind making myself look dumb because I do a pretty good job on my own of that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being a good sport about the movie game. Uh, thank you to everyone who has listened or consumed uh, this podcast. And uh, we will be back in 2023. A scheduling note for everybody. Uh, we did Wednesday and Friday this week. We will have episodes on Wednesday and Friday of uh, next week as well. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And don't be surprised if uh, you don't see a new episode on the Monday. Uh, but before we officially wrap it up, Siege uh, 2022 in the books. Uh, it's always an honor and a pleasure being able to be on this podcast with your name on the marquee. Uh, and I think we did a lot of great stuff this year. One thing we didn't even mention, we had an in-person episode this year, and that was also really good uh, at the draft. Uh, that's among mm, that some of the best highlights of this episode. That might, that could have easily been mine too. But like, I remember I was like getting waivers live on air. Yes, you were. <laughs> you were doing, you were about to, you were doing a radio hit, like as the episode was ending. <laughs> I know, man. Crazy time. <laughs> It was a crazy time, uh, but dude, just I'm glad that we were able to get through this crazy time together over the podcast. Likewise, thanks for your support, man. You and producer Nick are awesome. We had a great year. We're going to have an even better year, um, not just with the pod, but in general, I think in 2023. This is, uh, this is a time to be hopeful. That's what I was saying off the top. I hope everyone out there is safe. I don't even sure if I'll see midnight on New Year's Eve, if I'm being honest. Um, old man CJ. But uh, I know Julian will be burning the night midnight oil on behalf of the show. And uh, enjoy the Winter Classic, producer Nick. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, the Flames and Canucks play on New Year's Eve, so I will be I will be burning the the midnight oil that night. Uh, yes, producer Nick, shout out to you for everything you've done uh, for the show in 2022. You deserve a lot of love and a lot of praise. Uh, and uh, enjoy the Winter Classic. I'm sure it will be very very fun. Uh, for Siege, I'm Julian. So long, happy new year, and we will see you in 2020.
The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK and McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.